0: Well, good morning. It's good to be home. (laughs) I feel like we have this conversation every summer, do we not? Thank Uncle Sam for that, but it was only two weeks this time. However, as a result of the travel, it was four Sundays in a row, so it is good to be back in God's house with all of you. Uh, Those of you who join us online, thank you for being with us. Uh, We always love to have you and have that available for you, uh, but I strongly encourage you always to uh, come here, join us sometime, be among God's people. Uh, There is a discernible difference being among God's people versus watching virtually. We love to afford that. It's another avenue to hear the gospel, hear the word. But uh, again, we always want to encourage you to be among God's people and in his house. Amen. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time, uh, you should have came in. You should have got a worship guide when you came in this morning. And on the inside, there's a perforated strip there that just allows us, if you'll fill that out, we're not going to call you like your local telemarketer and tell you that your warranty is expired. All we're going to do is call or reach out occasionally and say, hey, what's your story? We want to know more about you. We want to know how we can care for you, how we can love you. And where do you fit into God's plan and purpose for Fellowship Community Church? So a couple of things I'd like to reiterate this morning. We are kicking off a brand new series. And Pastor Josh and I had a, a great deal of conversation about where we would go during this summer. And uh, he has been so kind and so generous to afford me the uh, To carry this this series for the next five Sundays. So if you don't like my preaching, there's your out. Just don't tell me you left. So, but uh, he's been gracious and he's been kind, and we're going to be talking about the God who sees. Now, the reason that I am preaching the next five Sundays is because this is particularly um, personal for me in this season because we're going to be talking about grief and what that looks like biblically. How does that feel? How do we get away from this romanticized understanding of what biblical grief is and mourning? Because we're all there, I'm in fact there now. And uh, just to kind of apprise you of where this is going this morning, big picture, right? I got some wonderful scriptures, but I'm gonna share a little bit of my story. And it's not for you to have pity or feel bad. What I want you to see is God in the midst of our circumstances, that God sees us, God sees you, amen? That is my hope, is that I will decrease and that he will increase. So don't leave here today thinking, oh my goodness, because we've all gone through something, haven't we? What I want you to leave here today is to know that in the darkest of valleys, God is there with you. God sees you. So a couple of things in the announcement he mentions. Dream Team shirts are in. Sorry, Mike, they're not long sleeve, but uh, we're working on that. Uh, We've got the Mission Center, of course. We wanna finish that. You know, I don't know that we always recognize how fortunate we are in the United States of America. I don't know if you've seen any of the stories. I do not encourage you to watch the news, but try to stay apprised of what's going on in our world, right? Um, They can't always do that all over the world nor do they have the resources or the means to meet like you and I do. And it's just, it's a wonderful gift that we get to plant a facility in India where people get to share and proclaim the name of Jesus among the nations. Isn't that what we're here for anyways? You know, it's hard to see outside of our immediate circle, and yet we have such vast reach by God's grace and God's goodness to do that. Again, Grow Track Step 1 will be the 11th of July, so not the 4th. So if you come next weekend and you're like, man, I'm ready for step one, you'll be the only one in there. But we'd love to greet you and make sure you get a donut and coffee too, okay? So, but it's the 11th, so don't forget during our second service. And then of course, finally, ladies, brunch, and bunco. My amazing wife is gonna be teaching a, a, a little a devotional, a little message for the, for the women that come. So I'm super excited for her. I know her heart. I know how much she loves Jesus. Yes, I'm biased. I think she's amazing. But I think you're going to be blessed, ladies. So I pray that you would, uh, would attend that. I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. So uh, let's get started this morning. The God who sees, right? So we should have, should have, Wow. There it is. Look at it. You see that? Yeah, y'all like that, right? Yeah, i think up some things in California. It gets weird. So a sermon title is Corum Deo. And I know that those of you that know me are like, man, Pastor Derek always puts something weird in the message title. What in the world is this guy talking about? The idea, this is Latin for in the presence of God. In the presence of God. And if you look in your worship guides, um, I must admit, you see a lot of blank lines, right? You got a sermon title and you got a lot of blank lines. Look, I've got the traditional three-point system here. Um, I was a little delayed submitting them, but that's cool. I want you to take whatever God has for you this morning and put it down in your notes if you're a note taker. Okay, so maybe God has something different for you. I had trouble putting this in a three point framework because it's so raw and personal for me that God is speaking. I told my wife yesterday, I said, sweetheart, I said, I'm looking at this message and I'm like, I feel like God's just saying just grab your Bible and go, man, just go, because this is where you're at right now. And maybe somebody's life will be changed by your story and by God's goodness in your life in the midst of tragedy. And so it was very difficult to do that, and therefore you have lines. So take what you'd like, okay? I do have points. will be up on the slides for you. But let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Your holy name, your goodness, your faithfulness, your patience with us, God. Be with us. Minister to us through your word. Minister to us through the lives of others, God. I pray that we would just get out of the way and that every heart would be open to receiving your truth to know that, God, ultimately, from the mountaintops to the valleys of life, God, you are are indeed good, and you are God of seeing. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we should have, we got a couple of things going on. I'm a little late. How's the memory verses going? Yeah, I had spotty reception out there, so I was not uh, up to speed or whatnot, but we've been doing the memory verses. My kids have got it down. I pray that you and your family have been doing them as well. But let's do it as a church. Psalm 27:13 says, here is something I am still sure of. I will see the Lord's goodness, while I'm still alive. Praise be to God for that. You and I will see God's goodness in the land of the living. Amen. Let's do our New City Catechism as well. No, we're not. We already did our New City Catechism. (laughs) Excuse me. We already did it. Forgive me. I'm getting back in the saddle here, y'all. We're good. Let's jump in. If you got your Bibles handy or your Bible app, please jump to Genesis chapter 16. We're primarily gonna be in Genesis 16 and Genesis 21. And I'm going to read the passage for you and show you what we have to understand about who God is and what he's doing here. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Verse 13 is key. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I've seen him who looks after me. Give a little context before we jump to Genesis chapter 21, the second portion of this. Hagar, so Sarah and Abraham are given this promise by God, right? You remember the story? Say, hey, you're going to have a promised heir. And they did what we typically do, and that is we try to get ahead of God. When we don't think that God is moving fast enough in our lives, we tend to do things ourselves. And so they operated outside of the will of God. And Sarah's like, hey, I guess this is how God meant it. You know, sometimes we like to take the the little bits and pieces of our life and say, well, maybe that's what God meant. So we just kind of force it in and it's not really what's going on. We're not being patient. We're just, we're rationalizing our decisions before we, we try to get ahead of God when we do that. And so what they do is they say, hey, take my servant, my slave girl, take her for a wife and have a baby. And that's how we're gonna fulfill God's promises because sometimes we think we're God when we're not. And so they do it. They do it and God being good and being faithful Promises to raise up him and bless him and make him mighty, Ishmael. Now, Ishmael, the child that he'll have, is not the son of the promised covenant that Isaac is. That is not where the line comes from. And yet, God, in His faithfulness, because of who He is, not because of what they have done, promises a future inheritance for for him. So we get to Genesis 21. So she's out there. She's upset. Sarai is frustrated with her. And then you see in Genesis 21, chapter 10, verses 21. So she said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman with her son. Pause. There's two words there, right? When you go back to 16, Genesis chapter 16 or earlier, when she refers to Hagar, she sometimes refers to her as my servant. Now, we don't have to get into how things are translated, but it's interesting, I think, that she uses here, cast out this slave woman, because now she is trying to belittle her and degrade her. She's frustrated, and she wants to be rid of her. She used her as an uh, end to get what she wanted, to get ahead of God, and now she's frustrated and says, get rid of her, get rid of her. Now, can you imagine being Abraham? It tells us what Abraham is thinking here. And this thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son, his son Ishmael. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because you're a slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes, and then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God, verse 19 is key. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave it to the boy and drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of God this morning. You know wonder why are we diving in? Why are we learning this little story in Genesis this morning? It's because here is what society would consider nobody and yet God sees them. God hears them. God is with them. And so my first point, and again, I promised you I had points. God sees you. God sees you. Now, there's two different ways that we can understand this and both are profitable for growing in righteousness. The first one is God sees us Monday through Saturday, and when we leave the church on Sunday, and we act like he doesn't, but he sees us. He sees us. He sees the, the, the vices, the secret sins, the things that we do when we, when we curse the windshield because somebody cut us off and there's too much construction and gas prices are $5 a gallon in California. God sees our frustration, all right? God sees that. The other side is equally important, though. God sees all of that, and yet he loves us. And yet he still loves loves us grace is not good if you don't first understand your need for his grace and mercy in your life we are particularly challenged by this i think in the bible belt because we like to i don't know if you saw it and i'm sorry if i upset any i grew up baptist so i can a little self-deprecating humor here right so um i saw that i don't know if you ever seen the satirical pieces about the babylon Bee. If you've ever seen any of those, Pastor Josh hears them, so do I. So he endorsed it, I just followed, but it's great. No, No. I love them though, they're really funny sometimes. Sometimes they're a little wonky, but it was one that said, uh, it was about COVID masks. And it said, hey, great, you know, all the Baptists now can go to the liquor store because nobody knows who they are. And I was like, well, man, ain't that true. (laughs) I'm not saying that y'all are doing it, I'm just simply saying, that's how we think sometimes that we have to project something that perhaps we're not. And we're so worried that somebody's going to find us out. And the most freeing thing in the world is to be known by God. To know that he knows you. And yet we put on this performance art Monday through Saturday, perhaps Sunday, depending on what you're doing. And we say, no, I've got it all together. It's okay to not be okay. Because when you realize you're not okay, when you realize you have a need for a savior, he embraces you every time. He sees you. He sees you. So even if the satirical article has some truth to it, somebody snuck into the liquor store, God sees them there and is not surprised. He's not caught off guard. God's grace is sweet for such things like that. God sees you. He sees me. You know, one of the things, before I jump into the second point, the second point will be um, a little more difficult for me, but this is the part that I hope that God uses the most. There's a, there's a picture that they have. I want to show you all something. It doesn't look as good as I'd like it to, right? When I was in California, <clears throat> so those are stars, and that's a tree. And I'm trying to catch this at night, right? So blame Apple if it doesn't look great. I tried really hard. But it meant something to me. I'm not showing you a picture to say, hey, it's cool. Go to California. Don't. Gas is $5 a gallon, and it's really dry. And it's like being in a big tinderbox. And the ocean was just a few miles away, and we couldn't go. So, so don't, don't go, please, don't go. <laughs> um, it, unless, unless you can go to the ocean and see something beautiful like that. But I took this picture, and y'all will find this funny. And hey, you know what? If for my fellow service members in the room, you know what this is like. So we're out there roughing it in the field like light infantry. We're living in these little pop-up cot things, and there's nothing, there's nothing. There's no hot meals, there's MREs, they lie. Nobody tested those and approved those. They just lie to us and give them to us anyway. And it's 39 degrees in the morning, and about 108 during the day. So the fluctuation is insane. And I'm walking out along one of the, the roads where we have some of our convoys, and I get out, and it had been a long day. And for those of you that know my story, I'm still going through the process of trying to find out what does healing look like after you lose so many people. And I saw that. And I thought to myself, the heavens declare the glory of God. God sees me right now as I'm out here and I'm by myself and I have too much time to think and I see the vastness of the stars in the sky you know you can see the milky way out there there's no light pollution what a wonderful thing to be able to take in to experience God's presence in that way God knows me God sees me and I get to experience all this in this moment and go just be still he is God and he is good and so I show you that picture for that very reason, which takes me to my second point. God sees you on life's highest mountaintops and in the deepest valleys of sorrow. He sees you. What do I mean when I say life's highest mountaintops? Perhaps promotion, right? Although I think that's probably a, yeah, that's exciting, but I have more in mind. Maybe the birth of your child. Maybe your wedding day, right? Right? Maybe a wedding day, if everything went off, there's always one thing that goes crazy. I've done plenty of weddings. Something happens, and I hope, and I encourage the couple to just laugh about it because there's always one little quirky thing that takes place. The dog eats the ring, or you know, the mom pours the sand too much in there and doesn't mix it right. All kinds of wild stuff. And, uh, but a mountaintop experience. You've gotten married. You're like, man, we've got this. Life begins now. But there will be valleys, and there will be further mountaintops. I think of the birth of our children, that was a terrifying and exciting mountaintop experience for me. Because what do you ask yourself? I mean, how do you be a parent? What do you, how do you do that? You know, and, and nobody tells you, nobody prepares you for all the little weird things they do. You know, bathroom breaks and everything like that. You know, you hear some parents grumble about it, but they keep kind of the, no, we're good. We got it. We're good. And I'm like, no, parenting can be hard sometimes. I mean, they, uh, <laughs> I tell you, they're a little terrorists sometimes, but I love them. I love them so much. And you get to see God working on them as they grow. And so it's a mountaintop experience. You're on the high point of your life and you go, God, you are so good. And yet, God also sees you in the deepest sorrow and mourning you can imagine. Psalm 56.8 says this, you keep count of my tossings, you put my tears in a bottle, are they not in your Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Not the good things, but all things. All things. You feel where I'm going with this this morning? It's not a little thing here. It's not just the good stuff. It's the stuff that's hard. Works together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And never, never forget Deuteronomy 38, 31, 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God sees those moments. And I think we tend to gravitate towards the ones that are sorrowful because it's in those seasons that I think we are most disarmed. Because what do you do if you don't have the answer, right? And if you're on a mountaintop and everybody's like, hey, great, congratulations, that's easy. You can just coast along, right? But when things get hard, what do you do? What do you do? Let me tell you some of my story. December 25th, 2018, Christmas morning, before my kids were awake, my grandmother passed away suddenly, okay? Again, don't want you to feel pity or sorry. I want you to see God in this because I'm gonna tell you the hard stuff first and then I'm gonna tell you what God is doing. That following October in 2019, Lachelle's grandmother passed away. In March 2021, this year, my mother passed away suddenly. No signs, no symptoms, Nothing. She laid down one night with the intention of future plans and did not open her eyes again until she was in God's presence. In April, the following month, my grandfather passed away. And in May, my wife's grandfather passed away. You see where I'm going with this? Lots of loss, right? And then yesterday, I get a phone call. My own father rushed to an ambulance to a hospital to have an emergency surgery for uh, some GI stuff. So keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers. It is easy with so much loss and so much grief to feel alone. It is easy to feel broken. It is easy to enter into the immense sadness. We're inclined to do such things because we're desperate. What, is, what do you do? What do you do? What. You know, the funniest thing is is on the front end when these things happen for those of you that have been there, and hey, here's the thing we will all be there. We are not promised a life absent of suffering. Nobody wants to be Job, right? Nobody wants to be Job. And I'm not saying we're Job either, but nobody wants to be him. Everybody likes to read the story. Nobody wants to be the guy. You're like, Lord, I'll just learn from his story, please. <laughs> and yet, when people say things like, Well, God's never gonna give me more than you can handle, it's not true. God will give you more than you can handle because then you need Him. Because if you could handle it, you would have no need for Him. You would have no need for God. And so here we are. And on the front end, for those of you that walked through this, you know people ask you, Hey, how you doing? How you going, right? Two, three, four months down the road, those questions tend to stop. And you just start to wonder what is the new normal for my life now? What's the new normal for my life? What I love about the opportunity to get to share with you and preach to you today, with this particular series, is that we are going through this right now. There are many nights when I'm by myself in California, I'm sad, I cry, I miss the people that have gone before me, I miss them, and that's okay, right, that's okay, it's okay to not be okay sometimes, it's okay to hurt a little bit. But it does not change for one second the goodness of God. You may not have the answers, neither do I. I do not know why God chose in this season to take so many from our family. I don't. And I don't wish that upon anybody. It's hard, it's a lonely walk. You know, being away out there for the two weeks, away from my wife, you know, we're a tight family unit. I've heard some people say, Yeah, you know, I really want to get away and do whatever. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, we love to do stuff together. We are we are hardcore. We love to do everything together. And so I get out there and I'm away from that element and I'm ministering to people, which is very fruitful. When when you're stuck and you've got to live with people for two weeks out in the woods and they've got nothing but time, man, you can get the gospel to them. It is a fruitful, fruitful ministry because guess what? You can't leave. (laughs) You can't escape. You know, and you can't be like, hey, I'm gonna go get dinner and come back. No, here's an MRE for you. It's good, eat it. I just want the crackers. But you can't escape and it's fruitful. So I get there and you know what God is showing me there when I show you that kind of picture and stuff? Is that, hey, (laughs) the healing balm for my soul doesn't come from my wife or my kids. It comes from my king. There will be a time in your life where nobody will be around you. And you'll be hurting. And you're not really alone, are you? God sees you. He sees you in those moments. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your grief. And it's difficult, right? Because if you've not been through it and you try to console, you don't know what to say. What do you say to somebody? I love you. I'm praying for you. Need anything? And you guys have done such a great job, right? I told you that several months ago after this happened that God used you as instruments of mercy and grace for our family. But it doesn't mean that here we are, you know, nearly four months removed and certainly more fresh for, for the most recent passings that everything just snaps back into place, right? The world changes forever. And you have to ask God. The question that I ask God is the question I encourage you to ask God when you go through stuff is, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing? What are you teaching me? How are you making me more like your son, Jesus? And I have an answer. I do. I don't have an answer for all of my questions, for sure. But I do have one for this. I know how to meet people in such a way now to encourage them. Love the people that maybe you're estranged from. I know how to minister to people that are dealing with tremendous loss because I'm dealing with it too. It's easy to intellectually understand what to say and how to do those things. But when you've walked through that journey, when you've been there, when you've experienced it, when your heart has broken too, sometimes you know that you don't need to say anything at all. Just be present, right? Just be present. Just love well. And so the kind of compassion that Christ had for us, I believe that's what God is showing us in this season. That though the waves toss us through and throw and about, we have an anchor for our soul. We have a God that loves us, a God that is faithful. And I know, praise the Lord for this, that all five that I mention are in glory with their King. And I will see them again. I will see them again. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, Our sorrows are all like ourselves mortal. There are no immortal sorrows for immortal souls. They come, but blessed be God, they also go. Like birds of the air, they fly over our heads, but they cannot make their abode in our souls. We suffer today, but we shall rejoice tomorrow. We shall rejoice tomorrow. But it's okay in the moment tomorrow, isn't it? And we'll talk more about that next week. But it's okay. Okay. I think the hard thing for us sometimes is we have so much investment in those around us and we should, our spouses, our children, our friends, folks that we've grown up with. Never forget to invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if that is not strong, I'm just gonna be real with you, those other relationships, they're not gonna carry you. They're not going to carry you. And the reason it's important is because of point three says this. God sees your victory secured by his son, Christ Jesus. The victory is yours. We know how this ends, but it's not because of anything that you and I have done. It's because of what he has done. The victory is his because of what he has done for us. I love this passage. Um, I'm sorry if some of you are upset after I say this, but Philippians 4, everybody knows Philippians 4, 13, right? Right? I think we miss something powerful there. We often equate it. We see it on you know football and sports arenas, and so I can do all things. It's like, well, somebody's got to lose, right? (laughs) So, so what happens when you lose? And I'm not here to knock anybody that does that. Please don't don't misunderstand me. But what I want you to see is that it's actually much greater than even that. The apostle says two previous verses. He says, "Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what he's talking about. Abundance and in need. Plenty and little. Do you understand where he's writing this from? He's in prison. He's in prison. Do you ever think what I think one of the most powerful testaments, the goodness and power and evidence that there is in fact a God is when Christians are going through the valley and they're unmoved because the world doesn't know what to do with that. The world tells you, I'll, you know, take some medication and therapy up and there's nothing wrong with therapy and medication, but God says, I see you, I meet you, I suffered for your sake and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the God that we serve. And so, when life is on the mountaintop and when life is in the valley, understand the victory is yours in Christ Jesus, in plenty and in little. Some days are great, some seasons of life are wonderful, and some are not. Some are not. You see, we are sinners among sinners living in a broken world. This is the fruit of sin in the world in which we live. Death is the final enemy, right? We don't like to talk about it, I don't think, a lot. It's a bit taboo, isn't it, to talk about death? And yet one of the most powerful ministry moments, I think, that any pastor will tell you is at somebody's funeral. Because it is then that you can rest assured that people come face to face with their own mortality. That they're thinking about things. We think we're going to live forever. You know, I, I know some of my brothers and sisters in this room, I'm not that old, right? I'm 35, but those of us understand that 35 feels a whole lot different than 25, and 25 feels a whole lot different than 15, right? <laughs> things change. Things start to crack. And you got to start you know, doing a little more maintenance, a little more PMCS, as we say in the Army, for my military folks. And uh, you got to do a little more self-care, right? John 14, 1, 3 Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe, all, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Where I am, you may be also. If we can't believe anybody else, believe Christ. Believe Christ. I go to prepare a place for you. For you, for me, For those that have gone before us, he goes to prepare a place. We're not orphans. We're not left here. Yeah, this life is hard. There's a lot of tears along the journey, but who's collecting them? Our God and our King, he knows, he sees, he loves us. Don't be dismissive of that when you're walking through a valley of life. And believe me, I know now If you would have asked me three or four years ago about this, I could tell you, yeah, that's true. Yeah, just trust in God. It'll be all right. And you'd look at me like I'm a lunatic. But now I have a little bit of credibility because I'm going through it and I'm trusting God and I'm experiencing God's goodness. And I know that he's not abandoned me and I know that he's not forsaken me. And it doesn't mean that every day I walk around going, hey, the glass is half full, y'all. It's gonna be great. No, that's not true either. There are some days where I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my heartache. Help me today. I feel alone, God. And I know that your word promises me that I'm not. And it's okay to do those things. Pray to him that he sees you and that you too would see him. That you would see the evidence of his presence in your life. Pray for that as well. In Romans 15:13, the apostle Paul also writes "He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The reality is, is it's hard to have hope sometimes. It is. There have been days in these past four months that I'm like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do anything. I need somebody to hear that because some of us think, well, how dare you? That means you don't believe. No, no. There are just some days that you're so worn down, you're so broken. Sometimes you just gotta enter into that rest. You gotta get in your word. You gotta, maybe not even get in your, you gotta pray. Maybe you gotta fall down on your face and pray and say, God, I need you. I need you. And that's okay. It's especially hard, I think, for the men in the room because <laughs> if you were like me, you grew up, boy, what's that stuff in your eyes? allergies. Yeah. We're a little little hard-headed when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I have found that as I've gotten older and my heart has gotten softer that it is okay to feel. It's okay. I need somebody in here to know it's okay to feel. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to have questions of God, but never forget who he is. And if you feel like you are forgetting, then ask him, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remind me of your goodness. Remind me of your promises. Get in your word and find out what has God promised you as co-heirs in Christ, that you have an eternal glory with God forever. And therefore, those that have gone before you that are in the faith are there already. They're there already. I like this. Uh, I'm getting ready to close here. I like this quote from Joni Erikson Tada. Uh, she is uh, disabled, right? There's, and she says this, and this is remarkable. You don't have to be alone in your hurt Comfort is yours, joy is an option. Now, if I stopped there, when I first read that, I thought, this person's a crazy person. What do you mean joy is an option? Like I get to flip a switch and it's all good? No, it's not what she's saying. It's not what she's saying. And it's all been made possible by your Savior. He went without comfort so you might have it. He postponed joy so you might share in it. He willingly chose isolation so you may never, never be alone in your hurt and sorrow. But here's the deal. If you feel alone today, it's not a better place for you to be than in God's house and among these people. I can't promise you that everybody is going to understand what you're going through. It's unique to each of us, isn't it? And how we handle things, how God has made us and crafted us, what our personalities are like, how we respond, what we turn to. But I can promise you this. There's a God that sees you, sees me, sees my wife, sees all of you in this room. And there are people here that will just listen. Just want to listen to your story. There's people here that just want to pray for you, pray with you. Be a presence for you. To come together and say, God is here amidst among us. He's among his people. And he always is. And he always will be. I'm going to close Uh, like I've done often with uh, lyrics from a song that I think are pretty good. Um, I'm kind of an old soul. I like hymns, but this is a a contemporary song and I know many of you have probably heard it. Um, It's written by that artist, Jeremy Camp, but he says, so when it feels like all of this pain is never going to end, I'm brought to my knees by all of these things I don't understand. I will let the weight of my fear fall like sand out of my hands and into yours. Sometimes, most times, all times, when life gets hard and grief is your lot in the season that you're in, go to your knees. Go to your knees. Turn to Christ, and He will rescue you. And He will provide comfort where no one else can. We're limited in our ability as humans, as fallen human beings, to comfort well. We don't do it perfectly, we never will, but He does. He does. He sees you. He loves you. Never forget that. And as I pray, our prayer partners are going to come down and I invite you today to come and pray. And I always push this. Come and pray if you're celebrating because praise be to God for that. Maybe you're on a mountaintop in your life. Come pray and celebrate. And if you're in a valley, come pray and find comfort with your brothers and sisters in the faith. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. God, remind us that you always see us, that you're always present, that nothing passes into our life that doesn't first go through your hands. minister to your people, comfort those who are in need of comfort. Bring joy to those that are in celebration, God. We know that this life is a journey full of mountaintops and valleys. Be with us always as you have promised and remind us of that truth. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.